What's up, everyone? My name is Ben. If you don't know me, um, I'm student ministry assistant here, and I'm super happy that you guys are here with us. Uh, if you're new, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Um, if you're not new, yeah, thanks for coming back. No, um, but for real though, like, I'm, I'm glad you guys are all here, um, but if you have your phone in your pocket, I'm going to ask you to, if you hold the side button, it like powers off. Just do that and then put it on the ground. That way you're not distracted. Look at all of you being good and reaching for your phone. That makes me happy. Anyways, wow, not even smiling from you guys. Whatever, that's cool. Uh, if you haven't been with us these, these past week, because, yeah, just one week, uh, we've been talking about our accuracy series and um, just tackling some, some things for you guys. And so today we get to talk about a big, big topic in today's world um, of, of creation and how we, we are told by everyone around us that the world is Created by evolution, right? The Big Bang Theory. So when the two masses collided, that, that formed um, a univor- a, the universe. And so if you are in earth science right here, then you, and in the uh, Chesapeake public school system, you probably have this book or had it. It says what? It says earth science. Is that what you asked? Okay, anyways. But if you have this book at home, or if you don't take your books home, Josh, um, then if you turn to page 720 in your textbook, in your school textbook, it talks about the Big Bang um, Theory. The universe began as a violent explosion from which the universe continues to expand, evolve, and cool. The Big Bang Theory states that at one time, the entire universe was confined in a dense, hot, supermassive ball. Then about 13.7 billion years ago, a violent explosion occurred, hurling the material in all directions. Right, so this is what we're told. We're told that our universe was formed by a big, ma- a big ball of mass that just exploded. And because of that explosion, that, that these perfect things happen, that, that we are created just in the right way, that, that the earth is just in the right position, that if we were any closer, any further away, that we would burn up or we would freeze to death. That this is what the world tells us. The world tells us that it was just by an accident that we're here today. And I'm here to talk to, to tell you guys that that's not true. So I remember when I was in college, uh, my freshman year, I guess I'm still in college, so I guess back, whatever, I've been in college for a while. But anyways, so my freshman year, I was taking a biology class, and so we were talking about um, how the earth came to be, and I remember my biology teacher standing up in front of the room, and got all serious. He was like, guys, the earth was created by the Big Bang Theory. He was like, there's no and, ifs, or but. I don't care what religion you are. That this is how it was created. And he was like, and if you go as far as to put on the test, when I ask you how was the, the earth formed, how was the earth created, that we would get it wrong if we said it because of, Christ, or because of God or because of any other way. And so I remember other people in my class, just some laughing, some agreeing. And then there were some that, that stood up and were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me talk to you about this. Right, and he shut, shut them down one after another. He didn't care what they had to say because he was so focused that he thought he had the right answer. And so I remember getting that test. And so I got that test. And I was like, I don't think he really asked this. Like, he's not going to have all this controversy. But yet again, the first question on the test, how was the earth created? Right? And then I was in this, this dilemma of, oh, hold up. Like, I don't get good grades. Do I, do I get the free point and say the Big Bang Theory? Or do I stand up for what I believe in? And do I say that God was creator of the universe? 
And it was in that moment that I, I didn't know what to do. Because my grades were bad, I was like, uh, I had this, this battle. I went ahead and I put uh, that God was the creator of this universe, if you guys are curious about that. But anyway, so that the, that the world tells us this, that everywhere we go, that when we're in school, that's in our textbooks, that we're told to memorize that. That our teachers are saying, this is how it was created. That, that our friends are saying, this is how it was created. And we sit there and we don't have an argument. Because we say, well, I believe that God created the, the universe. And then they come back at you with questions. With statements that they have. And then we, get, then we, we shut down. Because we don't know how to answer those. So what I want to talk to you guys about is some of the reasons why it's that God created the universe. It's obvious that, that there was a creator of this universe. So, for example, I have this water right here, right? This water has no color, I think. Um, I'm actually colorblind. So I don't think it has color, right? It doesn't smell like anything. Oh, that was a dirty cup. Oh. Yeah, anyways, it doesn't taste bad. It doesn't really taste like anything. But yet, the, the simplicity of this water is so complex that this earth is covered by 90% or, um, yeah, 90% of water, 70% of water. There it is. I was like, 90 is not right. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, I was like, no, 70% of, uh, of water. That this water, the water that we have plays a big part of our life, and we don't even know it. We write it off. You see, this water, that every living thing needs this water. That the plants, the animals, that us humans, any living creature, every living thing, every, every plant, every tree, that it needs water. That it can't live without water. But in fact, that 80% of our oxygen comes from water. But check this out. But if, when water freezes, right, when it gets cold and it freezes, that, that it freezes on the top. But yet it doesn't sink. Right, because we know if it sank, if it sank to the bottom, that it would destroy the fish. It would destroy the ecosystem down there. It would destroy our algae system. That 80% of the, of the oxygen that we get actually comes from the ocean. Check that. 80% of the oxygen that we breathe that we need in this world comes from the ocean. That, that if, when the ocean got cold and it, and it began to freeze, that if water began to freeze, that it, that it sunk to the bottom and destroyed the ecosystem, that nearly 80% of our oxygen would be gone. That because of, of um, the water's uh, surface tension, that because of this water is so... Weird, I don't really know how to explain the surface tension. But because it's like that, <laughs> that when, it, then when the plants drink it, when the plants need it right to grow, that it can actually flow up the plants. Right? It doesn't just sit at the bottom. Like, the water actually has to go up into the plant, up into the trees, up into the flowers for them to grow, for them to prosper. But if it wasn't for the surface tension of this water, that it wouldn't be able to do that. And there would go all the, all the plants in this world. Every, every plant, every tree, every flower would be gone. But also that of how much of this earth is covered in, um, by the ocean. 
that this earth is covered by, well, obviously we have the seven seas, right? So we, we can look at the map and we see how much of it is blue, how much of it is covered by the ocean, but you see that no living thing can survive with the, um, the salt water, right? Nothing on the, on the land uses the salt water, right? Like if we drank salt water all the time, that we wouldn't live. That plants need fresh water. That living things need fresh water. But this, the earth has this cool thing to where it can take the ocean water, actually take the salt out of it, and then move the clouds, move, move the water to where it needs to be, and then let the water fall onto the earth. Right? Because of evaporation, when, when the, it's over the, uh, the ocean and it evaporates, that it leaves the salt behind, that it creates clouds, and clouds will move over the land and rain and bring us fresh water. Are you trying to count all the seven seas? <laughs> I saw that. There's seven of them. I promise you, I wasn't good. I can't name them all, but I know there's seven, right? Because the pirates would sail them. But anyways, that something as simple as water has such a complex uh, design to it that you're telling me that a bang, an explosion, created something so perfect as water, something so complex as water. You're telling me that, that there was these, this mass floating in the sky, floating in space, that exploded and created this. First question is, when people say that to you, I want to be like, yo, I want you to ask them, where did that mass come from? Watch how they struggle with that question of where did that come from? Because if, if you look at it, every, everything has a beginning. Everything we see on earth had a beginning. And so they can't answer that question. That the mass was just floating in space, but for something that, that is as a, a finite season, right? something that doesn't live forever, has a beginning. And where does that beginning start? Where did that beginning come from? That they don't have an answer for that question. That you have scientists who, who are trying and debate this all the time, but in the big thing was says the Big Bang Theory. That that last word, theory, is a big thing in there. That scientists have not been able to fully prove it. That these scientists, these, these evolutionists, actually have a bigger, you have to have a stronger faith to believe in that than believing that God is the creator of this universe. Because when we look at creation, we look at the things on this earth, there's one theme through it all. is that it all points back to, to God. It all points back to Jesus. So we, we've all read Genesis. We've all read the creation story of how we see that God is, is um, speaking the existence into these things. Where God is creating the, the moon, the stars, the light and darkness, the heaven and the earth, the, the plants, the animals, and even us. When he created Adam and Eve. That we see that, that the Bible tells us that God is the creator of this, of the universe. That when he looked at it, that he said it was good. 
that God made it in a perfect way. That there had to be thought and effort into it. Because when you look at simple little water, look at how complex that is. You're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that this came from an explosion. That, that we evolved from, from animals, from microbacteria all the way to humans. But in fact, Charles Darwin, who we know as, as the big guy for, for evolution, that when he published his findings, that he actually didn't want to publish them. He didn't want to publish them because he wasn't uh, for sure that it, it was real. Because he couldn't figure out the eye. The human eye, he could not get his brain around of, of how like, that just came about. Because when he looked at the human eye, he said, that's too complex to just happen. But he was threatened to publish his findings. He was basically threatened and told to do it. So he caved under pressure and he did it. And so that, that is the big, the big guy, the big, the big person who, who started this evolution train, who published his findings. He himself wasn't positive on it. He himself could not figure out how this just happened. How in the world we got here? You see, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does that God created the world. To believe that, that it just magically appeared than believe that, that God created this universe, right? And we sit here, we sit here in church all the time and we, 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 we say that we are a Christian, that we believe the Bible, that we believe that God is true. But yet we struggle with this. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, turn to Psalms 19.1. Right, so we see that God created everything. We're going to go back to that, that theme that I was talking about with creation. Right, it says, The heavens declare the, the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Right here it's telling us that God's creation the things that we saw God form in the beginning of the Bible, that, that in Genesis that we see that God sat there and he, he formed these things. He formed creation. It says, the heavens declare the glory of the God, the skies claim the work of his hand. That says, Psalm 66, 4, that all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. That this earth, that everything, every creation on this earth the grass, the skies, this is the, the, the rocks will cry out. Right? That the, the, this creation, the nature that we, are, we see today points back to God's glory. That when you truly look into it, when you truly look at, at what, how complex it is, that it points back to the designer. And if you look at like famous artists, that you see that they always signed their work and, and that all their work was pretty similar, right? That they all had a style that they fit in, right? And so you got these art experts who can look at a work of art and be like, oh, that's this person's work. That's Van Gogh's work. That's, I don't know. I was never good at art. But anyways, right? That they can look at it and it points back to the artist. And this is what the Bible is saying. 
This is what we see when we step out into creation, that it points back to God. It points back to our creator. And it says in Psalms 139, 13 through 14, if you created me, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, when we look at creation, when we look at what God created, it's not just the plants, the animals, the skies, the stars. That says, when it says it here, that, that he knit us together in my mother's womb. That God took the time to create you. Took the time to form you. He took his time on you. That he knew you by name before you were born. Because God cares that much about you. That God, God spent time forming you. Forming you the way you are. From you in a perfect way. But we see how God, God has creation worshiping him. We see that God, God has a creation on, on earth worshiping him. But yet we sit here, we sit back, and we forget to worship God. We forget him to give him, to give him the praise and, and, and the glory to him. That we refuse to do that. We refuse to do that because of what we're told here. We're scared of, of what our friends might say. We forget to give God all the glory and all the worship. Give him the praise. And so that's, that's easy for me just to stand up here and to tell you, hey guys, go, go worship. Worship God in your life, like you're good. But yet we, we think, right? We like to think of worship as, as this time when we're just together here that we only like to worship when we're in this building. When we're sitting here and we're singing songs, right, and we put our hands up, we're worshiping Jesus. But a lot of us, when we step outside these walls, right, I, I, was, I was that guy that in high school and, and in middle school, that, that once I stepped out those doors, once I stepped out of the doors of my church, that I stopped worshiping. That I had everyone fooled here in church. Because right, I would be the guy up front that was worshiping, had my hands up. But once I stepped out, I stopped worshiping. And so that's, that's what I want, I want to continue to talk about with you guys. Is what does it really mean to worship God? Because a lot of us have this, have this confused idea of what it really looks like. And so if you turn to Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here in verse 1, it says um, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and that this is your true and proper worship. Your true and proper worship is to sit there and is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, that people would come and they would offer their, their best sheep, their best lamb, their best livestock, their best whatever. And they would offer it as a sacrifice to God. That they would worship in that way. But here we see that God is saying, yo, offer your bodies, offer yourself as a living sacrifice 
but that is your true and proper worship. That God tells us to go a step further. To not only do it when you're in the church, to not only do it when, you, when you're told to do it. He says, yo, take it a step further, keep going. Instead, offer your own body, your own self as a living sacrifice. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That whatever you're doing here on earth, whatever you're doing at home, whatever you're doing with your friends, whatever you're doing on your sports field, in band, in choir, whatever you may doing, be doing, do it for the glory of God. Do it so you praise God in everything that you're doing. No matter how simple, how small it may be, That is what you're doing. Is that good and pleasing to God? Are you worshiping God in your daily actions? Are you worshiping God at school? We see that creation cries out his name. See that creation points back to God. Yet we sit here. With our lives, we say we trust, we trust God and we, we, we believe in him. Yet we sit here. We don't praise him. We don't worship him. That our lives don't point back to him. That our life doesn't cry out to Jesus. That that if someone looked at us, they would think that we're just the same as everyone else. That we're not taking it a step further. Yes, we may come here on Sunday nights, on Sunday mornings, on, on Wednesday nights. But what are we doing besides that? Is what we're doing in our life, so we're doing every day, pointing back to God. Are we living our lives for him? Are we worshiping in everything that we do? Or are we sitting back and, and are we doing what Romans 2 says? We're doing the opposite of what Romans 2 says. When it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are we getting caught up in what this world has to offer and what this world has to say and what the world tells us to believe in? Or are we saying, no, I'm good. I'm going I'm to fully believe in what Jesus has for me that I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice because I know this, this is my good and pleasing worship. Am I going to do that? Or am I going to continue to believe what this world has to tell me, that I'm going to follow what this world has for me? God's saying to worship him in everything that you're doing. That people should be able to look at you and see God through you. And I know how hard this is to do. I know how easy it is to get caught up in doing things and believing things that the world tells you. I know how hard it is to step out. To believe in God alone. To worship him in every situation, every moment of your life to worship him. I know how hard that is. I know how difficult that can be. It's not easy, and God knows it's not going to be easy. God knows how hard it is. Right? That we, we know that Jesus walked on this earth, that Jesus came before he died for our sins, that he came and he walked on this earth. And he was tempted. He was tried just like we were. He was faced with the same sins, but the only difference is that he did not sin. 
that every moment of his day that he glorified God, he glorified the creator. That's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to step up and step out. That our true and our proper worship is, is to offer our bodies as living sacrifice. To be like creation. To be, right, that we know he created this word perfectly. He created us in that way. And he's calling us to step up and, and to do that. To be the examples of this world. To, that people will know that by you, by by just looking at you and watching you, that they know that there's something different about you. That they will know of Jesus through you. But he's calling us to worship in that way. To not just sit here and to worship with our hands up, eyes closed. Not just to do that. But to truly step out. And to offer our bodies as that living sacrifice to worship him in every single moment of every single day. To worship him. I'm going to pray for us and then our band is going to come back up and we're going to continue in worship. Jesus, we, we love you. God, and I, and I thank you for, for creating this earth so perfectly, Lord. Lord, for giving everything such a complex design. Lord, that we know that on this earth that there is no other creator but you. Lord, but I ask you to, to help us step out in our faith, Lord. Lord, that we would worship you in every moment of every second of every day. Lord, as I know how hard that can be. Lord, but I ask you to give us the, the boldness, Lord, the, the strength to step out. Lord, I thank you for, for being the example. Lord, I thank you for, for giving, us, giving us creation, Lord, to look at and to see you through creation, Lord. I thank you that, that this earth cries out for you, Lord, that, that, that we can see you through creation. Lord, I thank you that creation points back to you, Lord. I thank you for, for being the creator of this world. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.